Hi, Emily. Nice to see you. Hi, Holly. <clears throat> All right, we try not to have the same person do announcements and give the message, but it's just how things work this week, so I could say it one more time. Happy Sunday, everybody. Uh, today is a Holy Spirit Sunday, specifically a healing Sunday. Uh, once a quarter, we're trying to spend our Sunday mornings in more worship, shorter message. I'm, I'm not doing awesome on that front so far today. Uh, and uh, extended ministry time. Um, and today we're going to especially be praying for people to be healed from anything that you would want to be healed of. Uh, we put a lot of time and work into the conference that we just had last week, Miracle Work Conference. Could I get a woot woot? Woot woot. That was fantastic. We fasted. We prayed. We made the conference the center of our Holy Spirit night, just asking God to come and to bring healing. And our family got to host the speaker, Jordan Sang. He stayed with us for a few days. He was great. He was the real deal. Um, and today, I get to preach on healing. I get to follow Jordan up. And I'm going to preach from Luke 6. And when I'm done, we're going to pray for everyone who needs healing. And I expect that there will be a miracle or two as we pray. Uh, but before I dive in, Jordan shared last week that in Hawaii, it is rude to just skip to business. First, you have to talk story with the person that you run into. And I think we're in church, so that means stories of what God is up to. And so I'm going to share with you a testimony from Bonnie Gustafson, one of the pillars of our community. I love Bruce and Bonnie Gustafson. Um, they've missed a lot of Sundays over the last few years due to health concerns. Here's what Bonnie wrote. Um, I have a history of five back surgeries, and I stopped breathing during the last surgery in July. That surgery was done within a month of diagnosis because it was deemed so urgent. Each surgery has been necessary as my spinal cord has been compressed. After the last surgery, I was told additional back surgery would be dangerous. I only have one vertebra left to fuse, and that one is starting to slip and compress my spinal cord, which usually means another surgery. This is also affecting my left leg with numbness and an inability to walk. I've had bone-on-bone -bone in both knees, and replacements are ready to be done when I give the word unless God intervenes. Um, I have been given the nickname warrior by several people, but that has not been true this time. I've had to be extremely careful not to fall, and my emotions have been up and down, and so has my faith. Both my husband and I were having an extremely hard time. We felt burdened and under the difficulties and not victoriously walking over them. During healing time at the conference, both my husband and I were touched by the hand of God. When I was prayed for, and the words, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed, were spoken, I started to shake and jerk for what seemed to me to be a long time. I cannot say at this time that my back and knees were healed that moment, but I felt human again, and my burdens were lifted. Bruce also felt emotionally freed from the burden of worrying about me, and I have been walking better and recently climbed a set of stairs with the help of railings. I have not been able to do that before the conference. We're now walking in peace and joy and in confidence that God's in control and will bring additional healing in his time. Now, I love this story in part because I love Bonnie as much as anybody I can name. Uh, Bruce and Bonnie came burdened and struggling and suffering, and I've been meeting with them, you know, semi-regularly, and the burden, struggle, and suffering is real and a long time. And they both got touched by God, and that made all the difference in the world. Uh, I'm going to share one more. Um, I'm a vineyard pastor, and so I've been praying for people to get healed for like 30 years and in 30 years of praying for people to get healed, there was this one time that four of us were praying for someone, and they reported feeling a little better. And it was awesome. That's my record. Um, I figure, just guessing, 2,000 people I've prayed for to get better. And I was a quarter of one person feeling slightly better. So the conference rolls around. We're going to pray for healing. And honestly, my faith was higher. 
but not like through the moon. This is 2001. He, he, prayer's here. Um, and during prayer time, they had us come up. And I chose some little old lady. I prefer to pray for people I don't know. No offense to little old ladies. But silver straight hair. And she was sitting here kind of going like this. And I said, uh, you know, the speaker said, you just ask people what's wrong, and then you pray for that, and you keep it short. And so I said, what's wrong? And she said her back's been screwed up for 13 years, and she can't straighten up, and it's all a disaster. So I, you know, reach for my faith. 2001, here we go. You know, said, be healed. And um, her back started to crackle like uh, construction paper that you're crinkling up. And it went on for like 20 seconds. And she's like gasping and crying and She's like, can you feel that? And I'm like, yeah, I can really feel that. It's pretty amazing. And then she starts whooping and doing this and jumping and being all happy. And I went on long enough that I could just like walk away. I don't have any idea who that was. Um, I think she went to South Metro. It seemed like maybe Justin Law knew her pastor over there. And so uh, next to us was Sherry Lubert. Um, she's pastor down at Tapestry Vineyard in Elko Newmarket. And she's praying for uh, a woman's shoulder and the woman's going like this. It's not appearing to work very well. And uh, she goes, it's like not working for her. And she's like, well, you know. So I go over and I'm like, you know, 2,000 more to go. Another one's going to happen, right? So, uh, so I just put my hand on her shoulder and I, you know, say be healed. And she does this. And then she starts doing this. And then she starts kind of whooping and doing the whole joy thing. And I just walked off again. Uh, it appears that she may have been here today. Um, the reason I share this do you know what it felt like? It felt exactly like the other 2,000, except with maybe a little bit more faith. But that's not the difference, right? Uh, the difference is God did a healing this time. That's the difference, right? And uh, if I... Seriously, people. If God can heal people through me, God can heal people th through every person in this building. Could I get it? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody who knows me is like, whew, amen, right? 100% amen. Gaze back there in the booth like, Whoa. You know, what's the bigger miracle, the miracle or you, you know? Um, we really get to do this stuff, and God really does do this stuff. Be of good cheer. Keep going for it, okay? Keep going for it. Um, I want to preach through a pretty long chapter today. I had one of those wonderful experiences where it feels like God directed me to a specific passage. It happens to be long, so I want you to buckle up. We're going to read through passages, talk about it as we go. We're going to go through Luke 6, and here's how it starts. One Sabbath day, that's the day off where you're not supposed to work, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and they ate the grain. But some Pharisees, that's religious leaders at the time, said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to some of his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And so these verses establish a few things about Jesus here. This is super early in his ministry. He has started healing people. He has some disciples, but he has not called the apostles yet. And he is developing some notoriety. People are starting to come to him because they've heard about the miracles. And in these verses, Jesus is violating the cultural rules that are such a big deal to people. And so here's what he did. He was at the Super Bowl party, and he took the whole last brownie. He did not cut it in half and then cut that in half, and then cut that in half, because we all know as Minnesotans that the eighth you can eat, you do not eat the last brownie, right? I mean, that's just not done. 
So what Jesus is doing here um, is breaking an interpretation of Scripture. Scripture does not say do not pick grain on the Sabbath. Scripture says on the Sabbath don't do work because it's supposed to bless you. And what the religious people have done is turn this into a rule to be uptight and point fingers about. How dare you do something that might be workful on the Sabbath, right? And they're getting all mad at him. And Jesus does not care about not doing things that make people mad, which also makes him a bad Minnesotan. He eats the last brownie, and he doesn't care that you're mad about it. Okay? Uh, where are we here? So uh, the Pharisees are unhappy about this. They see him breaking the way things are supposed to be and claiming to be a religious leader at the same time. Is anybody else in here a Christian who doesn't always do things right? Anybody besides me? I follow Jesus. I do things people frown at me. You know, like, why are you doing it that way? I don't know. I don't have the excuse that I'm Jesus. Jesus had that excuse, right? And so, um, and so they do what's good on the Sabbath, right? Jesus didn't fit in with their way. Another Sabbath ver verse uh, story follows immediately. Verse 6. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue where Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of <gasps> working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And so the man came forward. And then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on Sabbath, or is it a day for evil? Is it a day to destroy life or to save it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Now, this is a pretty amazing miracle, right? I have seen some miracles. I have heard of some miracles, including miracles where doctors are confounded and there's evidence, right? But what I have not seen is like a, the verse in here is like a withered hand, like a deformed hand, all of a sudden spring to life. Can you imagine the faith of everyone in the room as they watch that happen? Can you imagine like how much easier it would be to follow Jesus right now, right now? He heals the man with one short sentence in the command form, which is how Jesus does most of his healings. You know, hold out your hand, boom, healing. This makes enemies of the religious leaders, but I think Jesus knew they were always going to be his enemy, right? And I don't think he cared. The next thing he does is pray all night and choose his apostles. So here's what happens. Jesus comes into his ministry and starts doing a bunch of miracles and it draws everybody's attention, right? What does he do with all that attention? Number one, he stays up all night praying, chooses his apostles, and then comes verse 17. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem, from as far north as the seacoasts of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. There's a few seasons in the Bible where it says Jesus healed everyone. Not every verse says that. There were times when he could do few miracles, but he healed everyone here. 
diseases. He cast out evil spirits. And in the ancient world, that's how they looked at a lot of things that we would call mental illness today. And I don't really care which one. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both or, you know, whatever. I love that Jesus can heal, right? That's the amazing part. And, of course, word gets out that he can do these things, and everybody comes because we all know somebody who needs healing. Amen? And so what does Jesus do when everybody comes, when these miracles are happening and everybody wants more? He teaches them the great truths of Scripture. That's what he does when everybody gets miracles and wants to see more. The very next passage is a group of beatitudes and woes. A beatitude is a blessing. It's saying that if you are going through this, God beatifies you, God blesses you, God makes you beautiful. God, Jesus says, God blesses the poor, God blesses the hungry, and God blesses those who weep. These blessings are forever in the Word of God. If you are struggling to make ends meet, if you are missing food, if you are sad or grieving, Jesus wants you to know that God is especially for you. God wants to beautify you. God wants to make, bring you through it in a beautiful way. And then Jesus shares some woes, and the woes are aimed at the opposite kind of people. He says, the rich, the fat and prosperous, which includes me without question, the people loved by the crowds, Jesus says those people will lose what they have. What Jesus is doing here is trying to turn us from a temporary mindset to an eternal mindset. He says, you can make yourself rich, fat, and happy here on earth by taking things for yourself, or you can turn your eyes to heaven. Because that's where the actual source of blessing is. If you want to do well for the long term, listen to Jesus. Turn your eyes and your heart and your life toward God. After the blessings and the woes, Jesus gives, I think, the two hardest teachings in all of Scripture. Here's the first one. Verse 27, to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to other sinners for full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. All right, you can see why I call this the hardest teaching in all of Scripture. And I think it is actually the hardest teaching in any religion anywhere in the world. And I don't think anyone said this before Jesus. It is not easy or normal for people to love their enemies. Before Jesus, virtue, the idea of virtue, was to be strong enough to defeat people who come against you. That's what virtue was in the whole world before Jesus came. 
But God knows something. What you're fighting about is not as important as the people you are fighting with. I can say that with confidence to every person in this room. What you are fighting about is not more important than the people you are fighting with. The Bible says human beings carry the image of God and that the way we treat other people, most especially the poor, but all other people, that's the way we treat God. And so what we see Jesus doing in Luke 6 is leading with miracles, drawing crowds, and then following those miracles with really hard teaching. In the vineyard, we have always believed this is intentional and something for those of us who preach to learn from. John Wimber founded the vineyard, and he was a miracle-working guy, and he always made it a point to teach the Bible when miracles are happening. And Steve Nicholson put it this way. Steve Nicholson was the National Vineyard Church Planting coach for like 200 years, like for so long. He coached John and Sue through planting this church in 1990, and then he mentored John and Sue all the way through, and he mentors me still today. I love this dude. He says, Pete, when miracles happen, it's like rain falling on parched earth. It softens up the ground, and that ground is softened up so that people can receive the word of God. Y'all remember the parable of the four soils, person chucking seeds out? When miracles happen, the ground gets soft and good, and those seeds have a place to grow roots, Okay. God's power helps us, okay, when we experience a miracle, it is easier to make changes in our lives. Can you imagine if you're there and you see this person's withered hand grow out? Like, I'm going to listen to everything this guy says. If he tries to sell me like a Ginsu knife and throw in a free jade elephant, I mail him my money. He just healed a dude right in front of my eyeballs. Get me the Ginsu knife, you know? So when he does these miracles... It is in part so that our hearts will be opened to the goodness, majesty, and power of the living God. And God, when our hearts are open, asks us to do some difficult things. The first one is love your enemies. Wait till you hear the second one. Don't judge or condemn anyone. Forgive them instead. Verse 37, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can a blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to help with the speck in your friend's eye. Okay, so if loving your enemies isn't hard enough... Jesus tells us to judge other people by the standards you want God to judge you. Judge generously. Could I get an amen? Jesus is saying judge generously, okay? Be merciful. Be kind. Forgive. Because living that life is going to make you way happier than being judgmental, unkind, and resentful. 
Now, you might think that the path to a better life involves God changing your circumstances. Who here is praying for changed circumstances? I am. we, We regularly pray for changed circumstances, right? Jesus teaches here the best place to work for a better life is here. Let go of resentment. Let go of other people's faults and failings. You can't fix those. You probably can't fix yours, right? My wife um, today said this was her dad's favorite passage. And I said, I love this one because I always have a log in my eye. You know, I can try to help other people. We, we can we get to a place where we can be of service to other people and help. But man, it's not to criticize. <laughs> I think this is a perfect passage to illustrate how Jesus used miracles as a way to prepare people for his teaching. And I hope that we're always going to be a church that does the same. God has done mind-blowing miracles here over the years. You're going to see some testimonies of those miracles. Uh, Mike Doherty, um, our bassist today, uh, is also our videographer. He works for Teen Challenge full-time, filming video testimonies. And he recently set aside a day to film a bunch of folks from River Heights talking about things God's done in their life. I got to sit there for half the day, and I floated out the room. Because when you see people talk about the miracles God has done, it raises your faith. God is going to continue to do incredible miracles at River Heights Vineyard this year and into the future. I can't wait to hear about those things because miracles make everything better. And then God's going to use those miracles to bring people to Jesus and to help us be better disciples. Amen? Jesus closes today's chapters by hammering the point of his teaching home in verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who built a house right on the ground without a foundation. How's this going to go in Minnesota? Week two, week three. Oh, when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse in a heap of ruins. Jesus does miracles and follows it up with teaching so that our lives will be changed. So that we'll get healing where we need it the most. Just like the miracles of God, the teachings of Jesus can reorient our heart and can empower our lives and help us live for the treasures of eternity as well as blessing in the present. And so please hear today, friends. We expect God to do some miracles today. God is a God of miracles. And we plan to stay firmly rooted in the Word of God, the Bible, and Jesus Christ for as long as time comes. On that note, could we have the worship team come up here? And uh, let's see. It's Healing Sunday. Um, If you are here and you would like healing for anything in the world, uh, yourself or someone else, I had someone ask me to pray for healing for someone else through them, uh, would you please stick your hand up in the air? Uh, We are going to pray for you if you stick your hand up in the air. I don't want you to feel surprised. You can just put your hand down if you don't want someone praying for you. But um, we would like to pray for you right now. Um, So if you put your hand up, would you please stand where you are? And if you are, make sure person in the back gets coverage. Um, If you are, why's my phone going off during church? Jeez. Um, Everybody should know me. Uh, 
If you are anywhere near someone who's standing, would you please go to them right now and make sure that they get prayed for? And uh, maybe as you get to them, I'll just lead, and you can just kind of be silently praying for these folks right now. Can we get some folks praying for Bergs here, somebody praying for Emily back here, someone praying for Julie, literally, if you're nearby and you can get near. Just get near Julie. Yes, we have anybody over here who's likely. We need someone to come over here. Everybody got somebody. We got somebody. Everybody's got somebody. Jeremiah and Vanessa could still use another person. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Neil. We got Patty. All right. Uh, uh, here's what Jordan said to help with my faith. Uh, first off, Jesus has been doing miracles around here, so there's a good chance that Jesus is going to do another miracle right now. Okay? Uh, second off, uh, we don't have to be super long about this. What we can do is believe and speak with real faith. And so uh, those of you who are going to pray right now, I just want to bless you to receive the Holy Spirit and the faith of God. And those of you who are going to receive prayer right now, I want to bless you to be healed. And those of you who are praying can pray. We're going to transition into music. We're going to have a little bit longer music set right now. Uh, we'll take communion in the middle. And uh, if everybody could please stand as you are able, uh, let's worship together. Um, if you're on the prayer team, uh, you know, after a song, you could come up and uh, be ready to pray for people.